is Matt Mosley's show, ESPN Central Texas. We need to find out what President Livingstone's favorite music is, because I feel like one time we played Pomp and Circumstance. Uh, you know, I think we, she needs her own sort of walk-up music. It is President Linda Livingstone returning to the Matt Mosley show. President Livingstone, if we had to, if you could pick whatever music you would come on to the show with, what would you what would you go with? Oh, my goodness. I haven't put much thought in that, although Pomp and Circumstance is pretty appropriate. Guys. We have graduation this coming Saturday, so it's a, <laughs> it's a timely song. Uh, I will say for one event we uh, we did on campus, I think, what is it, uh, uh, Girls Rule the World or something, and they did that walk-up song for me. So I don't know. You know, I'm pretty flexible on that one. <laughs> I feel like the first gent may be a classic rock guy, may may even he, have dabbled in some Led Zeppelin or something like that back in the day. He's a Beatles fan, hardcore. Ooh. Such wow. a Beatles fan that our daughter can sing every single Beatles song that was ever written, even the ones no one else has ever heard of. So, <laughs> I knew. I knew there was a reason I liked him. Did he watch that whole documentary, that Beatles documentary recently that they had on uh, – I can't remember if that was on Disney or Apple TV or whatever. That was unbelievable. I'm I'm sure he's observed some of that. Yeah, he has. He he loves everything Beatles. So uh, yes, that's a those are, that's popular music in our house. Oh man, yeah. Well, that we'll we'll pick one out. We'll we'll find out one of his favorite Beatles song, and maybe next time we'll go with that. Or we'll have to do that when he comes on with me. All right. Well, listen. Yeah, I I was trying to have you on. When you uh, got the extension, so congratulations on that. But, of course, if you just wait a couple of weeks, you'll be named to something else. So uh, the big news came out the other day that you have been named the chair of the NCAA Board of Governors. Did you just – were you just ha- – did you have too much time on your plate this summer and you just thought, I, I feel like I need to add something else to my schedule? Well, it's it's hard to get bored in jobs like this, but uh, you know it, it's it's important work given all that's going on in the NCAA. So uh, you know, humbled and, and honored to be asked to do it, and, and and thank you for the kind words about the extension as well, Matt. Yeah, yeah, that's very exciting. We want you to to finish your career right here at Baylor, and hopefully, some of these contract uh, it will it will do that. Now, what it, when you look at this new um, uh, role? Uh, with the NCAA Board of Governors, you've been on the board. You've you've testified in front of Congress. You've already been doing a lot of great work for with the NCAA. What do you think now in leading this? What is your mandate? I I, I guess, like you said, this is a extremely challenging time. You could have probably picked easier time to become the chair. But what do you think is like the most pressing issue? Uh, because I know there's several. But like, where where is your primary focus as you assume this this uh, this very important work? Mm-hmm. Well, as you say, there are lots of issues facing the NCAA as we kind of look both to the near term and the long term. But I really think one of the highest priorities of the board and and now the the search committee that's been appointed is to. Uh, the search for a new president of the NCA as Mark Emmert prepares to step out of that role. That's going to be critical going forward, um, partly because the organization is in such transition, but because of the magnitude of some of the issues that it faces. 
And so to me, that's probably one of the highest priorities that we have as an organization. Um, I think as the, the Division One Transformation Committee continues it, its work, uh, the board will have roles in coordinating and collaborating with that group and some of the things that, that they're uh, ultimately will take to the Division One board as it relates to potential legislative action and then, you know, ongoing work around some of the legal issues that we face that affect the entire organization. They may have arisen out of Division I uh, issues and circumstances, but they end up affecting uh, all of the NCAA. So those are several areas that are really critical for us as we move forward. But uh, again, I think one of our highest priorities this year is the hiring of a new president. What is the timetable on, uh, I think Mark Emmert had said he was going to stay around for a certain amount of time. What What are you targeting for hopefully having uh, uh, someone ready to go as the uh, as the new NCAA president? Well, we've uh, hired Turnkey CRG to be the search firm that does that, and they've already been very actively involved in listening sessions with a a lot of folks, both inside the NCAA as well as outside uh, diverse constituency groups. They've got a a long list of of individuals to talk to as we think about what that position description would look like, what this uh, the type of person we need in this role. So that will be going on for uh, probably the next month, and then we'll really get into um, looking, you know, bring, trying to identify candidates and building a pool. But ultimately, we would we would love to have somebody on board by the convention in January. Now, that's a pretty aggressive timeline, and we certainly won't let the timeline dictate uh, the process if we really need to to take a little bit more time than that. But ideally, it would be by the convention in January. Now, your name did come up when uh, it was first announced that uh, Emmert would be uh, stepping down. Uh, was that uh, – Did uh, uh, I'm sure that's always interesting and, and flattering uh, in a lot of ways that you would be uh, uh, on people's radar for that. Were you pretty quick to – when you started seeing some of those stories out there or, or those recommendations from the media, uh, was that ever anything that was of interest to you? Or do you, do you uh, or seemingly, since you just signed this new deal, you're pretty happy right there in Waco. Well, you're right. I'm very happy here uh, leading Baylor and working with everyone here. And then, uh, you know, my primary responsibility with the NCA, as I said, is as the chair of the board and then on the search committee is to uh, make sure we find the right president. So that's going to be my highest priority, not being the president, but helping find the right president. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm happy to have that responsibility as I you know, continue to be the president here at Baylor, where we've got lots of good work to do here as well as we look to the future. President Linda Livingstone joining the Matt Mosley Show here on ESPN Central Texas. Do you, what do you think the NCAA will look like five years from now you know everybody wants to say well it's going to change and of course sec big 10 you hear talk of well we'll just kind of do our own thing um i mean i I know this is a tough one but do you think the ncaa will will still look much like it does in its current form five years from now or do you think it could be look radically different 
well, I wish we all had a crystal ball to predict things <laughs> like this. But I do think it will look different. You know, the, how radical that will be, I think, will in some ways depend on some of the work coming out of the three divisions. Uh, we call it the Transformation Committee at Division One. It has a different different titles in Division Two and Three. Um, but I do think we we already see that things are going to be decentralized a lot more, both to the divisions and potentially to conferences and to schools. And that kind of shifts where responsibility lies and then what uh, the work of the NCAA might be. Uh, some of those questions have to do with, you know, how enforcement will be handled. They have to do with how um, we think about benefits uh, and the well-being of student athletes. Um, I do think things like championships, you have to have, you know, some centralized approach to how you do championships. Um, so I think it will look different. What exactly that's going to be is a little bit hard to tell. Uh, and, you know, I think it's one of the things everybody's rolling up their sleeves right now doing and saying is, you know, what what could it look like? What do we want it to look like? Um, and then, you know, there's lots of outside pressures on, uh, inter, uh, on collegiate athletics and the NCAA right now, too, that will have some influence on that. And, you know, you try to figure out how do you manage those outside influences in ways that are in the best interest of our student athletes. Um, uh, while, you know, addressing the parts of that that we need to be really paying a lot of attention to. So I do think we'll look quite a bit different in five years. I, it's hard to predict right now exactly what that means the NCAA is going to look like and, frankly, what college athletics is going to look like more broadly. I mean, we don't know what the Pac-12 and Big 12 will look like in a year or two. I mean, I you know, Pac Big 12 looks uh, – really good right now I, I would say y'all the big 12 now is well positioned it was destabilized just a year ago and there was you, you know you remember that i would not say fondly but you do remember it well um what did you make of the pac-12 commissioner's uh comments the other day he was referring to brett yarmark's comment that the big 12 was open for business and I believe he said something along the lines of, hey, we're, that sounds good. We'll, we're, we would maybe entertain the idea of bringing on a couple of Big 12 schools. Um, what, you, you have good relationships with a lot of these presidents across these Power Five conferences. Where do you think things stand with the Big 12 and Pac-12 as we speak here today? Well, I feel great about where we are as a Big 12 conference, and we're really excited about the four schools that are going to join, and we're really pleased with the news that they're all going to be joining uh, summer of 2023, so that will you know, give us some stability and planning and, and, and looking to the future there, and so I feel really good about that. I'm excited about Brett Yormar, the conference. He, of course, had to get busy in that role. Uh, a few weeks earlier than we'd anticipated him uh, jumping in with both feet, but he's going to be a great leader for the conference as we look forward. So we feel really good about our positioning, about where we are, about the new schools coming in. Uh, so I'm very optimistic about the conference. And, you know, I think every conference is trying to figure out how to position themselves best. And then I think we as individual schools are trying to determine, you know, how we position ourselves best and, um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, it's in all of our best interest to have strong conferences and strong schools uh, for college athletics broadly. And so I think uh, that's part of the equation that everybody's trying to figure out is what is that ultimately going to look like. But I, I think we're in a very good position as a Big 12. And um, the, the presidents feel that way. The athletic directors feel that way. And, and uh, certainly Commissioner Yormark's been a great addition uh, 
to the conference, even in the short window that he's been there. You were involved in that search for Brett Yormark. Um, what it, you know when it when it came down to it, and you started kind of whittling it down to the the last few candidates. What what really separated Brett Yormark maybe from other candidates? And and what do you feel like makes him the right person at this such a such an important juncture in uh, not not only the Big Twelve but all of college athletics? Well, we had a, you know really strong candidates in the pool. I mean, some more traditional candidates, and then some that were less traditional, like Brett. And ultimately, Brett really rose to the top. Uh, he's unbelievably enthusiastic and energetic. We knew he'd bring a lot of energy to the job. He has a passion for what he's doing, whether that's entertainment or pro sports and now now college sports. So we loved that passion. We could tell he was going to be very aggressive in the role. And then he brings uh, an interesting skill set to the table, uh, the background that he has in the NBA, in entertainment, NASCAR, which, you know, a whole world in and of itself. And we thought that that combination of skills that he had, the contacts he had with sponsorships, the media, and partnering that with the extremely strong uh, team of athletic directors we have in the conference would be a wonderful a combination that would position us extremely well. And he's jumped right in and uh, been actively engaged with our athletic directors, with our presidents and chancellors, and gained a lot of confidence very quickly because a lot of people just didn't know him because he wasn't in the college athletic world. So uh, he certainly had to get to know our athletic directors and and presidents. Um, And he's done that extremely well. And everybody's really excited about uh, how he's positioning the conference and how we're going to do going forward. All right. Sports is getting started. I think I saw there was an exhibition soccer game maybe even this week, um, coming up maybe Thursday, that is. And, boy, you and the first gent love, and Shelby too, love being at some of these uh, some of these games. Now, I, I am, though, thinking about football because I was out there the other day uh, at the first fall practice. How exciting is it for a university president when you have a football program that's coming into a season predicted to win the Big 12? I mean, this is pretty much unprecedented when it comes to Baylor and the Big 12, even though Baylor's had some really good football teams. What, um, how much excitement do you have as a, as a president, um, and, and, and what does it do for a university when you have a successful football program like this? Well, we're really excited about the season coming up. Of course, last year uh, would be a hard season to top, the most successful season we've had in the history of Baylor football, and then to top it off with a Big 12 championship and a Sugar Bowl win that were just so exciting. And so that brings a lot of energy and excitement uh, to the Baylor community, the family, our alumni base, our students. And so to bring that into the school year this year and to have that to look forward to, um, I think everybody's excited about it and, and really looking forward to, to what the team's going to do this year. I am going to promote soccer and volleyball too, though. We do have a soccer scrimmage against LSU on Thursday night at seven o'clock. So if you're really missing college sports, you need to come out to Betty Lou Mays field. And then uh, next Wednesday, the volleyball team uh, has their green and gold game at six o'clock. And so that will be kind of part of our welcome week activities for our new students that are starting to move in. So 
we have some sports uh, before we ever get started with football. So if you've had missed a lot since baseball and softball ended and you need to get back in the swing of it, uh, there's lots of stuff getting started just this week. But, uh, again, we're excited about all our fall seasons coming up. And then, again, football is going to be particularly exciting. I think it just means a lot to have a team that's kind of on the national radar and is getting the attention that our football team is. Do you have a master schedule there in the office? Do you just kind of look it up on your phone? What do you, I mean, that's pretty impressive that you were ready to, I mean, you got, you knew, I, I don't always uh, bone up on these exhibition games, but you you had that uh, top of mind. Do you, how do you, do you kind of keep that in your office there on the wall? Do you have a mag, uh, magnets for each sport? It's not quite like that. I do have all the, mostly home events, but some away. I haven't put them all on my calendar so that we can try to make the ones that are, are possible. And these first couple of weeks, especially as the teams are getting started, we really try to get out and see them. It's also a good way to see some of our students as they're coming back to campus. So uh, uh, my calendar has lots of all kinds of events that our students are doing on it so that we can try to make them as much as possible. But uh, beginning of school is so much fun because we've had kind of a lull here, here for a month or two without college sports. And so it's exciting to get back at it very soon. All right, it's about to get busy. I'm glad we don't have to have all those tents around campus. Uh, things are better, obviously, with uh, with COVID, and so you don't, you know, y'all y'all managed extremely well. But uh, I don't think you're going to have to do much of that. Uh, Twenty thousand in enrollment now, and you count some of the graduate degrees. Fifteen thousand undergrads. That's uh, that's uh, that's as big, I think, as the as the campus has ever been so it's very exciting i see by the way you are the subject or you're the you're the you're on the cover of the newest baylor magazine that arrived at my house and uh, looks like are you in front of your office is that in front of pat neff i think you're, that's where you're standing some beautiful mm-hmm. uh flowers back there behind you so uh that was um that was very very well done but uh that is uh that is nice uh the baylor magazine i may see if you'll sign uh this one for me next time we cross paths well i'm happy to do that we clearly took that picture before the drought got as deep as it did when we still had pretty <laughs> flowers everywhere on campus but uh, uh yeah that that magazine it, it it's rather humbling uh but it kind of highlighted my first five years and uh and and so we, we hope people reflect on all the wonderful things that have been happening at Baylor and all the people, faculty and staff and others that have had important roles in contributing to, to all we've yeah. been able to accomplish the last few years. We talk a lot about the athletic success, but we've had such great success academically with the quality of our student body, with interest in Baylor. So uh, it's, a, it's a good time to be a Baylor Bear. Well, one, uh, Dr. Tom Hanks was one of my former professors at Baylor and the British Isles, and so that was cool reading about him in this Baylor magazine yeah. and uh, what he's doing for his wife and, and what Baylor's doing. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the Dr. Carol Ann McDaniel Hanks Endowed Chair in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you spent a lot of your time over that business school at Ancammer, but wow, this guy is he was a great professor, but the more I was reading about his wife, what an amazing career she had. So uh, what a, that's going to be really cool. He was one of the most interesting and funniest English professors I ever had. And then my buddy uh, Greg Garrett is going to be the, um, yeah. I guess he's going to be <laughs> taking on that, that uh, role there. So that, that's, uh, those are very exciting things on the academic side. 
Well, they are. And of course, Dr. Hanks was much loved for many, many years on this campus. And, you know, I think it's just he's representative of many other current and former faculty and staff members who have been very generous to Baylor uh, and who spent many, many years here and then have given back in significant ways like that. And I think it's just a testament to uh, to Baylor, to the to the, our Christian mission and to the, the deep connection people have. Uh, with that mission in, in really personal ways. And, and then to see uh, someone like Tom do that, make that endowment gift in honor of his wife is just really, really special. So we have so many people that do things like that. And it's very touching every time I see those kind of come through the process. All right. I, Baylor in the British Isles was quite a trip back mm-hmm. in the day. I think I had already graduated and I convinced my parents that I could pick up an Eng, a double major or maybe an English minor if they sent me to the Baylor and British Isles. I do not know if that was an accurate portrayal of what was happening, <laughs> but um, I did um, I did love that. And uh, I, the fact that I had graduated, I don't know if I applied myself quite as much as my classmates over there, but we did meet Prince Charles as I recall, oh, wow. right there at the Westminster Abbey School. And I think that's still where the Baylor students that do, I think maybe they call it Baylor in London now or something, but uh, <laughs> that's still where they stay, perhaps, all these years later. Uh, some of those abroad programs are really, really cool. And, uh, you know, it gets a little pricey on top of school and all that. But I would say, if boy, if, if, if uh, students can do that, those are, those are life-changing experiences. When, you know, we were not able to do hardly any study abroad for a good year and a half, almost two years because of COVID. And so this past summer uh, was really our first summer back with normal offerings for study abroad. And we really filled all of those up and we have more this fall and and, and into the spring. And they are just life-changing experiences for students. And we are continuing to find ways to ensure that really students that can't afford it and want to do a study abroad have that opportunity because it is such it has such a deep impact on students. I'm so glad you had a chance to do that. That is really uh, that Baylor and London program now is one of our largest programs and is is a really significant international experience for our students. Yeah, we had a great time and we went to see the British Open. That was the one that um let's see 1995 that would have been John Daly winning the British wow. Open that year in, in a playoff over Constantina Rocca from uh, uh, Italy. So anyway, I, I'll, I'll tell you about my trip some other time. I'll show you the slides, you know. Uh, I would love but, uh, to hear more about it. <laughs> we had some great times. Well, President Livingstone, this was uh, a lot of fun. I've looked forward to it. Congratulations. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of work, but it's a very prestigious uh, position, and uh, it was well-earned, and I know you'll do a great job. So appreciate you taking the time today. Well, I appreciate that a lot, Matt, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to do it. I think, uh, you know, it, it's a great opportunity to uh, coming from Baylor to be able to do that, to kind of be on the stage like that and uh, look forward to the impact that I, working with the others on the Board of Governors, will be able to have and just appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today and to share a little bit about what's going on here. You bet. I really appreciate it. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon, and I will see you out at one of these uh, sporting events coming up soon, all right? Absolutely. I look forward to it. There she goes, President Livingstone. Uh, and uh, we'll get some Beatles music queued up, especially when the first gent, when Brad comes on with us. 
uh, soon. But uh, great to visit with her, and always fun when she comes on the show. We've had to, uh, we've been fortunate enough to have her on quite a few times over the years, and she just recently celebrated five years at Baylor, and uh, she'll be with us quite a bit longer with this new contract. And uh, we're all excited about that. All right, it is time for something we call camp.